Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. editing the Soul Sundays for the webinar opportunities that you will have. And I messed up, like in every good way possible, just messed up again. And what we're going to do is Sue will be rolling out next week on Dr. Price's webpage, a solo success webinar uh, landing page where you can go and sign up and secure your seat for these webinars. How does it happen? There's a four-part series that you will have the opportunity to pay for. Now, if you're live with us at the Congregation of the Mighty, it's free. If you want to go back and watch it this way, it is not free or close to free. Even for congregation members, don't ask for a discount. Your discount was the first time she said it for free, 100% discount. All we say is, hey, throw in there an offering, and we're good to go. This isn't free. Please don't ask for a discount on this, uh, you know, if you're a member of the Congregation of the Mighty, because this wisdom, you don't get discounted wisdom because you paid a discounted price. And so we have to make sure that in, in our efforts to get everything that we feel is coming to us, that we are not robbing, muzzling the oxen, okay, that is treading out the corn saying, well, we know you deserve a full meal, but I only want to give you half. You paid, she paid full price. She delivered, trust me, a full payload on this message, okay, these soul successes. You will walk around free for the rest of your natural life and in eternity your soul is going to be free off of these messages. So let's just not even start that. Saints are really good for how much don't I have to pay for something, which probably explains a lot as far as where we are and are not in the world. What price don't we have to pay? That's where we typically start financially, academically, spiritually. Just lay hands on me so I can bypass the warfare. Somebody just give me my tuition for free because I'm going through a hard time. All the reasons we are programmed for freebies first. Now, again, Soul Sunday in church, that's when it's free. So you want to drive to T-Town, even the saints in our church, you better, you know, most of them really do come back for Soul Sunday. They say they got the kids in the back. It's, I mean, you know, people who are determined are determined to make it happen. But it will not be free, and it will not be discounted. And as far as I'm concerned, the price, at, I think it's around $300 is still a discount for what you pay per hour from a professional for this level of service in the psychology, psychiatric industry, this is still a discount. And we as the body of Christ are so good at saying, this is worth so much more. 
people should be paying top dollar, except me. I don't mean me. I mean, I'm just saying I should get a discount for the idea, right? A full price. But no. So it's coming soon. Next couple of weeks, uh, make 2020 the year that you unlock your soul's secret to success. In editing, I took some notes, all right? And so the second two are going to be the origins. The first two are the soul and the will. And then the second two are the origins and consequences of emotional dishonesty. Cricket. Selah. I'm telling you what. She said that uh, humans are born feeling, not thinking. And so much of what we do is tied to how we feel and then our emotional dishonesty. She said, you are the common denominator, which she has taught us for years. And she also highlighted the difference between overpraised and over-blamed children. Children who are overpraised as kids are about just as useless as those who are overblamed mm-hmm. for everything when they grow up. And she also spoke on the difference between impu- uh, let me see, impulsivity and compulsivity. Impulses and compulsives. What you do impulsively and then what the, what'd you do compulsively. So it's very, I mean, so I was playing it in here when we were setting up. And Rachel was like, hold on. Dr. Price made this statement about, what did she make the statement about? Impatience will shipwreck your soul. It, see, she remembers. Impatience will shipwreck your soul. She had to grab the table <laughs> and the chair for just a minute. She said, hold on. That got to be the first time. I said, it's the same anointing. She said, the same anointing, the same dispensation, same person. You want to watch this in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> Go to your soul deliverance and healing. Don't have the people around. You can get very ugly in your process of deliverance. But you will be beautiful on the other side if you are serious. And we also price it for the serious because people who are serious are ready to invest. And they know. People who have already had therapy for years will say, this is a steal. Oh, no, no. This is, this is a giveaway right here. I can't believe you're only doing this for this amount. Well, we do want to be a blessing. But we also want to bless the dispenser, the dispensary. <laughs> okay, this is what else we have coming soon. Is get answers for 2020, changing of the guard. It's a book that Dr. Price wrote back in the day, in the 90s, back in the day. Not the back, back like in the way, way back day. Just back in the day, in the 90s, like 90, 1994. I think it was 94. And she wrote a book called The Changing of the Guard. You're going to see promos roll out for that next week as well, giving you some insight. We recorded a sneak peek of the first portion of Changing of the Guard, so you understand why you should get this book, why it's important for such a time as this. We also decided to merge it with 1995 and beyond. The book of prophecies that Dr. Price wrote in, you guessed it, it was released in 
and a downloadable as well. Ultimately, later on this year, I'm going to record, going to record it, Dr. Price, audio. So we have an audio book because a lot of people want to have audio books. We're going to start with the smaller ones, all right? I mean, really, the Prophet's Dictionary audio? <laughs> That's like recording the Bible. <laughs> we need a whole cast of characters. One person for each letter. <laughs> it's true. I was so surprised. And somebody said to her, years ago, you are an institution all by yourself. We're also rolling out in March God's Royal Network YouTube channel. Yay! Where you will be able to find all of our broadcast shows in one central location. Everybody will still be going live from their Facebook. I mean, they have the opportunity possibly to go live from there, but definitely from their social media, and then they will be transferred over. When we, will, when we go live, you will have the opportunity to get caught up on 2019. What we said in 2019 to leave here, I'm kind of excited to see everything in one place. And so we'll have about 11 or 12 shows and other things up there, but the, the framework is up. Things are happening. As you can see here, if you're watching on Facebook, our God's Royal Network logo banner. Yes, it's happening. It is real. And this first quarter is definitely all about releasing, just releasing, we're just releasing. Okay. Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, where the Congregation of the Mighty Ecclesial Embassy in Bixby, Oklahoma, we have church every Sunday there, unless there's some random storm that blows in, but every Sunday there at uh, 8 a.m. Sunday School with Prophet Adia Peterson, 10 a.m. worship service with, of course, the one and only Dr. Paul Price, and if you've been staying caught up with your pedigree, oh, Sunday, I'll tell you, last week was just the week of revelation. We had to Lean back again. I was editing Sunday service and I thought, I think I need to pause. You have to want to take more notes, write extra things down. I think I missed that the first time. Wait, what did she say? Oh, this ties to this other revelation. That's the great thing about keeping track of your Sunday notes. You can track revelation. And you can say, oh, this is what this means. Oh, this is, this is. Uh, she is adding to what was said here. Let me go back last year. And you can remember more and more and more when you study your notes. You can go to our e-store. We have several of the uh, Sunday sermons there. And it's the soundboard quality, not the social media quality. So if you are having a challenge sometimes with your signal or with the audio, you can purchase the sermon, download it. It's a really clean recording. And, again, you will talk in tongues once again. <laughs> and you will feel your brain getting bigger. I mean, Dr. Price says, I'm not having a dumb church. And I tell you what, that's the truth. Although sometimes you're like, I think I need to be a little bit smarter. <laughs> Did she say it Sunday? Uh, everybody with me? You know, some of us raised our hands and we were like, I'll be with you after I hear it again. <laughs> so we'll just say yes in faith. We'll just say yes in faith. This, this is a faith yes. Yeah, yeah, dark right. Keep going. Keep going. You know, like the little cat moji. Take your time, Pastor. Take your time, Pastor. <laughs> I always think that when she's like, oh, this is in my third closing. Take your time, Pastor. Okay. Save the date, June 
Training Institute 2020. I already see registrations coming through the pipeline. I'm like, oop, the buy one, get one is a hit. So you want to make sure that you are buying one and getting one free. It doesn't get any better than that. And last week I got from Dr. Price the teaching topic. So I'm going to give you a sneak peek. These will be online, but we will hear from Dr. Price because she's Dr. Paula Price. The theme is 2020 prophetics and God's hard reset. God starts everything with a prophet. You have heard her say this, and we've heard it more frequently, and so now it is a part of what we are doing. God starts everything with a prophet. Selah. Mm. All right. So what are these prophets and apostles going to be speaking on in June? Dr. Price is going to be speaking on the theme. And wherever she takes us with that, we're not ready. But we're buckling in anyway. Prophet Keith Collins will be speaking on how and why God starts everything with the prophet from the Bible to now. We are going to school. Prophet Tamira Alexander has been added to the lineup. Yes, the prophet circle prophet. It's, it's only fitting, right? She is going to do a workshop on God's prophetic history to destiny. Wow. Prophet Isaiah Peterson will also be doing a workshop on a general study of God's divine communication. Can we get the general study of the prophetic? Prophet Naive Collins, uh, teaching on what does a prophet need for God's future. Can we be ready? Can we get ready? Chief Prophet Tala Price, teaching on what 21st century prophets need for God's hard reset. What I love about our events is they're so thorough. It's not just, there's the future, run. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's be with you. And Apostle Nona Parker is doing a workshop on how to prime a prophet to be God's igniter. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The Near Global Worship Team will also, of course, be in full effect, and whatever else God has in store for us. Last June, we had that early bird special, Dr. Price coming down. I don't know if she's going to do it this year. You know, folks going to be sitting around that room. <laughs> 250 people. Nobody knows. <laughs> Is today the early bird special? Uh, I don't know. I didn't even know until it was happening last year, so I couldn't tell you. She might be in a hole in the corner somewhere. You just need to be wherever God tells you to be for the early bird special. But we continue to move forward in preparing and equipping. This is the equipping of the saints. This is equipping the saints. Equipment, and when you think about equipment, you have to what? Usually buy equipment. Equipment takes maintenance. It takes budget. You have to have a place to store it so it doesn't run. Uh, you know, we have our technology equipment cases and things to protect them from the elements, from transportation. So when we're talking about equipping the saints and equipping you all, there is an investment that has to be made in equipping. The company that sells it, they have to buy the inventory, pay for it. They're paying for the building. They're paying for the employees. They're paying for the utilities. So it's not free for them either. There's a whole lot of overhead when you are hosting and dispensing the equipment. And then when you are the, the uh, person buying the equipment, then you have to invest your economy, usually, into it, money into it, and then have, again, a place to keep it. You have to think about maintenance. A lot of times when we talk about upgrading your uh, level of living, 
moving into a nicer neighborhood, bigger yard, all that great stuff. People who know what they're talking about say, how much is it going to cost me to live here? Not how much is the house, how much is the rent or the mortgage. How, what's the total cost of living, which is a different number than your mortgage or rent? Homeowners Association fees. Can we start with that? Fall out. Okay, depending on where you live. And the bigger you go, the more you pay and the more frequently you pay. <laughs> you have that. And then there's the lawn care. Yeah, I used to cut my yard in the old house. It was a full thing back here. Now you sit on three acres of land paying somebody, or even just one acre of land, paying somebody for that. If you have a swimming pool, paying for that. If you have landscaping, because you live in those big houses, there's always landscaping that you have to maintain, keep track of. The sprinkler system, the water it takes to not just bathe you and wash your clothes in the house, but to keep all of this pretty out here, the cost of living. So equipping has a cost. There is a fee. There's something you have to pay in your time, in your emotions. This is why we are doing the soul, the soul, the soul. She said in the, um, she reiterated in the origins and consequences of emotional dishonesty that's going to be rolling out in the webinar opportunity with the soul of success, a statement she has said from the beginning of the soul of success, where your talent can take you, where your Soul can't keep you. Can your soul keep you in your calling? This is why so many people fail, I think, more than anything else other than being absolutely misplaced. Like, this is not where you belong at all. Once we take that off of the table, it's the soul issue. We all found this out in training. The trainees now are finding out. We did as well. Oh, but my soul <laughs> is crying. I can hear it. You didn't even know your, your, your soul had a voice until you were really pressing it to do something you didn't want to do. And then it cries like a child. Oh, I didn't get in the car seat. Yeah, that child is so happy. And then you get the coat. And they start crying. Because they know after that coat comes the car seat. Comes the car seat. And so here we are as adults. Adults. And we can see God about to strap us in. <laughs> Strap us into our calling. Everything was cool as long as we could run around the house barefoot, in a diaper, throwing off clothes, just running with your Cheerios and your snacks, being a kid, being free, and my toys and my whatever. I'm just going to play around with what God gave me at will until it's bedtime. But we know, the kids know, here comes God, put on your clothes, put on your garments of your mantle. Time to get dressed. What do we know that means? You're going to put me in that car seat. And you're going to shut me down. And I'm not going to have a say over where we're going. I can't run away from anyone in the car seat. The most I can do is throw my bottle. <laughs> Let me have thrown something at my mother one time. You're never getting it back. And I'm probably going to whoop you behind. Because we're never doing this again. So you, you show God I'm going to take this, and he's like, okay, you know, he's a keeper. <laughs> like, we said, he's a keeper because he's going to keep, keep all your stuff from your senses. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And pretty soon that thing doesn't work because you have thrown it back in God's face every time he needs you to do it on his demand and not at your will. 
which is why we teach gifts versus office in our university, priceuniversity.org. Check us out. We teach that because sometimes we do not understand because of really poor teaching more than anything else, why God reacts the way he reacts. Because we're having cancer. In the car seat, screaming, crying, turning, beat red. You cannot go anywhere, honey. Why are we screaming again? You screamed yesterday when we put you in the car seat. You're going to scream tonight when we have to go back out. And every time we come to moving forward in your calling, you're screaming. Answering your prayer. You want to go play with your friends. Well, we have to get there in the car. You are not big enough to ride without a car seat. And then when you are, you still need a seatbelt. You're never going to legally be free without something strapping you in. That's why he talks about his yoke. He's easy in his burden life. His yoke is that car seat. It's the all in. You know, those things are designed so that child can't flip the seat over and then the seat is anchored into the seat. And parents, you know, if they have that child and they have more than one car, they're like, we find another car seat because we are not going to get this thing in and out of this car and that car and all of it. No. So I would say to you today, stop crying about your car seats. Okay? They're meant to protect you. They really are. Protect you in case anything happens, you're locked in to something that safe keeps you strapped in, has a hard case around you. And everything else, your neck can't snap back if the car gets rear-ended. If mom has to uh, turn around the corner sharply, you're not flying, hitting the window, breaking your neck on the ceiling. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen when you're not strapped in. And we see ministers who are out there, not under the hand of anybody, and everything takes them out. There's no protection. People invite you in, change their minds, steal your money lie on you. There's no system of appeal. You don't have a covering. Listen, I know I'm protected because people are afraid of Dr. Price. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No. And I like it. They have tried to say something to us, and you know what I said? I'm telling Dr. Price. No, no, no. Don't tell Dr. Price. Don't tell Dr. Price. I said that to you. Right, because you know you're wrong. They said some very inappropriate things. I wish you know very well. You protect your people. Oh, yes, I do. See? Yeah, you and don't come bringing little phony fake marriage things either. Now, you want to meet another side of me. I do not need you to bring your cultural obsession to my people. Those are your cultural obsession. Because if I, if I can't tell them when they're going to get married and I haven't did all that I've done, what in the world are you going to say? No. So don't bring them. Don't come to my thing talking about the Lord showed me that Mr. Boaz is coming because Boaz is on a boat. Boaz is on a boat. So that part I will say, I get a little tense. Because I just, I, I hate carnal prophecies. Isn't that carnal? Did you want me to say it? It okay. is. Can you, okay, so you said, and you're on camera now, by the way. I know. Okay. I got my glasses on. I know, I know. Yeah, but hold on. A moment of applause for the fashion. Applause. I'm real collegiate today. You are collegiate. Yeah, so collegiate. carnal, um, Carnal prophecies. How is a person to know when a carnal prophecy is happening, especially if it's from a trusted minister or it's in the house of the Lord? We're just having a high time in the spirit. 
what are some of the hallmarks of carnal, especially along the order of marriage, because that's probably the one that's perpetrated the most. Um, tell somebody to know when that is a carnal moment and when it's not. What is it? Well, you know, I think it has to do with what you what you desire. Like you will get carnal prophecies if you are a carnal person, because you're praying for carnal things. So you will get, you know, you sow the seed of carnality, you're going to reap the word of harvest of carnality. So if you're one of those people walking around, always need to be married, always need to be rich, always need to have a house, always needing to have a baby and all of that, if that's your obsession, then God's got a prophet for everything. He said, I will send a prophet to prophesy you to your heart, and then tell you that your heart will prophesy. So because your heart has to prophesy it for it to become a living oracle that somebody prophetic can pick up. So you will, you will hear. So if, so if you come and say, well, that's just what I was thinking, then you now have to ask yourself, is that a priority in your life or is that God really saying it? Because most people who God talked to about things like marriage and whatnot, they're not trying. They're, they're, they're Ruth. See, there's a Ruth woman, and then there's Ruth's sister who went back home. Orphan. Yeah. Orphan went back home. Uh uh uh. No. They, and what did she say? Both your boys dead. I don't have a home. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people who will come. And if you follow, if, you know, I think that we're going to enter into a prophetic climate and a prophetic era, then we need to follow people to, to get a, uh, a handle on their prophetic their prophecy episodes. Because the prophecy is episodic. And so when you, it's a moment in time, and you treat it like it's your whole life. You've got 24 hours a day, okay. seven days a week, and it's a 30-second word. And that word has got to be pivotal if it's going to dominate your life. So you need to see if a person is constantly talking about marriage, you can rest assured they're going to bring you a prophecy on marriage all the time. If they're constantly talking about babies, they're going to bring that. If they're talking about business, so what you have to recognize is that, and I, and I write it in my book, you should, by now, if you're going to be a person who's going to believe in prophecy, you're going to be led by prophecy, then you need to know the genre of the prophets that are out there. Because there are some people that shouldn't prophesy to you. That doesn't mean they shouldn't prophesy. And so when you, and so that's number one. The next thing, the other thing is that when it's a carnal prophecy, it's all about sensuality. Like they can't shut up. They can't just say, thus says God. No, they're going to start getting all um, uh, or illustrative and demonstrative about it. Yeah, y'all going to be, you know, and you can see that it, it, it just has a, 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 a fleshy, if not a, uh, a snaky feel to it mm. because, you know, out of the abundance of your heart. I, I tell people, Ezekiel 14, 13 and 14 have some powerful, and my three, Ezekiel 13, 14, and uh, Jeremiah 23, if you want to understand prophecy, first of all, everybody in the church needs to take prophetic training, yeah. not often prophecy training. Maybe that's just differentiated. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs it because you, I, in my course, uh, Prophecy Online, we, I talk about how to entreat prophecy because you're either if you're going to go all in and be gullible or you're going to be uh, uh, all out and you're going to be resistant and neither one, neither extreme. God's not an extreme. He's a balanced God. And so when you are, you have got to know what prophets are prone to say because prophets are like any other professional. They fall in the pattern. 
And you'll say, because you'll say, and, and, and they get excited, they get confused. And I'm like, wow, God keeps making me say this word, because that's the dominion, that's the realm, that's the sphere of domain that God has given you as prophet. Now, and you listen to them, not just their prophecy, listen to their sermons, they're always preaching. Like, when you go to these churches and it's a husband-wife thing all the time, you need to recognize that there's no place for singles. Because they always want you to feel like you miss God or that God doesn't care about you. So I'll I, I tell you all day long, we are church. If you're married, we're going to celebrate your marriage. If you're single, we're going to celebrate your singleness. We are not going to make you feel all inferior because you don't have somebody, an appendage hanging on your arm. Um, so, I, so you're always going to get those kind those family churches are going to always push that. Mm-hmm. Now, you think because they push it, it's going to push your destiny won't happen. It's going to frustrate you and frustrate your destiny, tempt you to fall into sin because you're going to go out hunting for Mr. Right, Miss Right. You know, and they make you a predator. Because that's a predatory spirit. And people don't realize that's a predatory spirit, but that's a predatory spirit. That's like I'm always on the hunt. And no matter what, because I have to be like pastor. I have to be like my, my pastors. I have to be the King and Barbie, the, the, the teen thing. I have to do that. Whereas when you know that you are a person living by the word of God, the Bible says many of them live by his spirit. These are the sons of God. Not live by the spirit of prophecy. Because of that. So you have to know that. The other thing I want you to know is that your Bible is very specific. Uh, Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is not the Jesus himself only. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So Jesus is going to be weaved in there somewhere. And you can say, you know, well, the Lord just, the Lord just, he just, uh, he wants you to, he wants you to be happy. God does not think that anything, any creature is going to make you happier than he can make you. He said, I am the Lord thy God, and I will have no other God before me. I will not give my glory to another. So he's not going to stand up there and tell you that. Now, and then next of all, if that prophecy, let's just say it is, it, it is carnal. If it's carnal, God's going to tell you. If you are a real, genuine child of the truth, because not a lot of people are, because I've been teaching my people about truth in the inward part, and I realize you can prophesy without truth in the inward part, because you can be deluded. Because the gift and your character don't have to agree. Mm. The prophecy could be of God, and God has integrity, but the receptor, the transmitter, I mean, how many times have we heard the integrity of some machine is compromised, or integrity of this or that yeah. compromised? So you can have a compromised prophet, and to me, many of the prophets, they are severely, soulologically compromised. Mm-hmm. They have, they're so full of the culture of this world, so full of the, the, the will, you know, the commandments of men and the flesh and all of that, that they, they don't even know it. So we, right now, we need a fresh pouring of pure prophecy and prophecy that is testifying of Jesus Christ. So I did a whole thing on that because many times you think that just because a word came as prophecy, that it came from the testimony of Jesus Christ, and so you expect God to bear witness. God's not going to bear witness to a lie, but he will allow it. So let me just share this with you. I'm going to take you to a place, but I'm going to share this because, see, people ask me, well, how do you know? I pray every day for three things. 
I pray that I'm not deceived by the Spirit because my faculties are so good. They're so strong. They're so high. They can provide potential for a lot of spirits. So I pray all the time for that. I pray for preciseness. Because last thing you want is a prophecy that's so abstract, you don't need, you got to fast and pray. <laughs> that thing so abstract, you got to fast and pray. So that's the last thing. And then, and then uh, actually, a fourth thing, I pray that I'm not led by my heart or my spirit. I pray that I can be a professionally detached messenger of God Almighty. That's a, that's a prayer because the enemy is always looking to rise on your channel and to use your faculties. I made it a practice from 1985 until today to isolate my personal feelings, desires, etc. From the word of God, the same way your doctor does, they can have a problem with who you are, but they can isolate and separate themselves and their purpose in your life, what they deliver from what they feel. So I never allow my feelings to dictate because whatever I feel about God's word, it's still true. It doesn't become true because I don't like it. It's still true. And I pray for that. I pray for God to give me the truth in the inward part so that I could have the resonance. See, because truth has a frequency. And it has a sound. That's why people can say, I don't know why, but I believe you're telling the truth. Because the frequency of truth is in them, in their soul. And maybe if they're a counselor, a professional, judge, attorney, something, they've heard so many lies that they can, a truth upsets the sound. And it resonates. And when the prophet can't hear truth, you got a, that's a severely compromised prophet. Because that means that whatever comes up that they agree with emotionally, they're going to prophesy. So that is why you need to know prophet behaviors. You need to know their patterns. So, and you have to understand. So I pray for that. These are my prayers. You know, I, I don't know what anybody else prays. I don't pray for words. I don't pray for God to give me a word. I never have to pray for that directly. Now, there are times that I'll be in a situation, and I'll say, okay, so Holy Ghost, where are you with this, and what is this? But for God to just send me out to prophesy, I've never done it. I don't do it. Because I feel like if I'm filled with the Spirit of God, if I am his messenger, if this thing is on, then it's on. He just needs to start talking. What I pray for is to hear him correctly. Well, I pray for that because I know that, you know, Jesus said, I've got a lot of things I could say. Jesus himself knew he could be compromised. He said, I've got a lot of things I could say, a lot of things I can tell you. He said, but I speak only, let me go back and get it correct. I speak to the world only those things that he told me in my professional capacity. Now, when y'all get to heaven, I've got a lot to say. When y'all leave this body, i got plenty of stuff. But right now, I'm integrious to the office and the mantle and the mission. And your mission and your missive, look at the two words, should agree. So when people say to me, well, how do you know? I'm, I know I'm right because I spent 35 years working on accepting that I could be wrong and then resolving that I won't be wrong. See, I don't walk around saying, well, you know, for you, I mean, me and God, I can't do anything. I made it my business to be right, and I marked every time I had a conflict so that I could remember the sound and remember the resonation and remember the frequency so that it would be etched in my understanding. And I treat it kind of like a song, you know, because I sing, you can, when you sing, eventually you begin to res- resonate and you begin to mark your pitch 
in your head. And you can tell yourself when you're off. And because you mark that pitch and the sound, of, that's why musicians and psalmism is such a wonderful pairing. So I mean, because of that, you know you're off. People can say, boy, that was good enough. Mm-mm. I don't care if it was just a fraction of a fraction. I can sit there and listen to, and she'll tell you, I'll listen to the singers, and I mean, folks going all over the place and say, no, y'all was off today. And I know that they were not off because they planned to be, because the spirit crept in there. Because spirits distort frequency and they distort sound. So I make it my point. I pray for that. And then the last thing I prayed for was to be accurate because I didn't want to shift people's lives. See, people with gifts of prophecy, they don't care about what happens when they play it. But the official is the guardian, the guide, the government, the keeper. So I have to give us some thought to what you might do with that work and how you'll act on it. I have classes to teach you to be responsible. And so what God said, he said, if, there, if, if you're a child of the truth, Paul said that, if you're a child of the truth, the truth talks to you. If you're a child of a lie, the lie talks to you. If you are a child who is deceived, deception talks to you, and deception relies on you because you're, you have, you know, habits let spirits know what you will do and how to use you, whether it's the spirit of Christ or not. So I did all of this. This is work that I did before I wrote construction. And I did, I did seven years of fasting. God told me seven years of fasting is to break down the spirit of the lie that is raising, born in you, and then raising you. And then to give me an ear to hear. When God said, I'm giving you an ear to hear, he's not meaning just pick up sound. He means discernment. And so, to me, when, when I, first of all, I know a lot of people want to prophesy to me. And those that do know that I'm going to definitely ask. And I have in my book, you should ask questions. <laughs> if you're big and bad enough to speak into somebody's life, then you need to be able to support what you say. Ask questions. Don't talk about go away and leave it to God. Don't do that. Don't let, if, if a person tells you that because they don't know what they're talking about, that's your telephone. That's not a communication. So when I go, you know, I'm going to Ezekiel. Um, you know, I used to, I'm so glad that I'm older because I'm not, I don't have to, no. I'm telling you, no, 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 I don't. I got a problem with a prophet that can't hear God. I got a problem with a prophet that's not stopped on God. You, when God speaks, you ought, to, you ought to stop on the down. And if, that, if you got to come up, I'm telling you, and a lot of times I don't tell my folks, I just say, no, uh-uh, no, I don't trust you. <laughs> you know what I said? I said, no, no, because let me tell you something. You're too comfortable being wrong in God. You're too comfortable being self-righteous. Self-righteous prophets are going to send you down a primrose path to hell. Because <laughs> you're going where they're going. They, and they're selfish. They're my, but I, I don't. That's why when I teach, I don't, you know, when I tell you I want to leave, I don't want to teach baby prophets. I don't want you because baby prophets be crying and sniffing and snotting and carrying on. Then they get mad and like she talked about the car seat. They got tantrums. Then they're going to punish you. Then they're going to get on Facebook and say, oh, put all kinds of lies out there and whatever. Because the truth has not been born into the truth. The truth is born in you when you get born again. But it's up to you to birth the truth. Truth is the inward part. When I was young as a prophet, this is in 1987, 89. The one thing God told me, I, I kept saying, God, I don't understand. I mean, you and I, we keep going. I don't know why we're going around. He said, because you're not. A, he said, because you 
Um, you don't have the truth in your inward parts. He said your literal soul is constructed for the ways of this world, so truth can't speak to you, mm. and you can't hear it. And, the, and, and what you have in your soul pushes back on my truth. It resists my truth because it's based on what pleases you. And so you will fight God because it's not measuring up to your personal truth, your individual truth, your psychological truth, your zoological truth, because you know what you mean and you feel like God is misunderstanding you. I told him that once, and he cut across me. He said, I am understanding. I said, well, I guess so, sweetheart. Dear Lord. He said, and then he took me to Jeremiah, and he said, but uh, Jeremiah said, but the prophets are not valiant for truth. You have to look up the word valiant. He said, the prophets are not valiant for truth. That's why he's standing in a prophetic company telling them, y'all going to lose this war, and they're ready to throw him in the dungeon because they all got the half the time gospel from the devil that's already assigned to take the nation out. So then he's encouraging. You know, sometimes don't take every encouragement as if it's God. Because the devil will encourage you so he does not have to lose the battle to Jesus Christ. So whether you feel God or not, whether it feels like God or not, whether you like it or not, you have got to train your soul for truth. And the truth is not what you believe. It's not just what you believe, rather. It's not just what your pastor teaches. The truth is a person, Jesus Christ. That is why Revelation 19 says that, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit prophecy. Jesus said when he, the spirit of the truth, has come, he will lead you and guide you into all prophetic messages. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? All truth. All truth. Prophets are supposed to, in, a, in an ideal capacity, be vessels of his truth, whether they agree with it or not, whether, whether it's popular or not. That's why Jeremiah was in the, in the sewer, because he, and he believed God was true even in the sewer. This group is like, I ain't, I'm not suffering that. So Hananiah, Hananiah died in 12 months because he was like, I, I don't care what you say. If all the prophets are saying it, I'm going to say it. I ain't doing that. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not the one to do it. I'm Micaiah. I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not going to say it because you want me to say it. I'm not, and, I, and because of that, God trusts me now to hear souls. So I hear souls, and I hear souls to the point of knowing whether or not that soul is trying to push me to prophesy something that's not proper. Because I have to hear the soul, and then I have to hear what the Lord is saying. And I've been in that position many times. He said, now, don't you say that because they're pushing you to say that because they want to get me to sign off on something that I didn't do or something I didn't want. See, this realm called the prophetic is powerful. It's a very powerful thing, but it's also a very uh, Fragile thing. It's very fragile, and not a lot of people want to be true. They want true. They want listen. They want true. They don't want truth. True is a statement. Is an expression. Truth is a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, is this Jesus or not? Is what the prophet has to say, and the prophet has to answer if this is Jesus or if it isn't. That is your job, and your job is to know his testimony so well that you can testify and bear witness that this is the Lord. How many times you read in the New Testament, bear witness, bear witness, because we are witnesses of the man Christ Jesus, not just the word we agree with. 
And so we want to, you know, you can you can bend a text. You can edit. I mean, uh, Apostle Ashley and I talk all the time, I'm going to edit this out and whatever because we don't need that. But you can't edit me. You can censor me. But you can't edit me. You can't edit a person. So with the, if Jesus didn't say it, the prophet can't lie. And if a prophet is okay with saying what Jesus didn't say, then you need to understand that's a false prophet or that's a deceived prophet. And there's a fine line between falsehood and deception. And, and so when you are, see, I, I would just, so you just step out. I'm going to step down because, you know, I, I ain't getting this and it ain't getting me, so I'm going to have to see. I'm not going to do this anymore. Okay, I've got something going on here. It's interesting. All right, so let's go to Ezekiel 13. And this is Ezekiel. Now, remember, Ezekiel is called to be a prophet in Babylon, while his people have been in Babylon so long, they have become, they have all but become Babylonians. They've adopted their priesthood of Babylonians. They're prophets of Babylonian. They have been in the world. So we would consider Babylon today the world. They've been secular. So they have been secularized by the, 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 the uh, ways of Babylon. And so here's Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a priest, but he's not a priest. Of, he's not a Mosaic priest. Because, well, they don't, the law is they're in another land. They've got to live another law. And on and on and on. So, God, and so God has to use spectacular means to let him know that he's making him and he's calling him to be a prophet. Because as far as he's concerned, this is it. And God, when God wants to right the wrongs or get things corrected, he does, he, he takes somebody who's very good in the, old, in, in the world he's bringing them from because he knows they'll be great in his world. So we know that Ezekiel was free. So in Genesis um, 13, when in the word of the Lord came to me, Oh, let me okay, let me think about, I forgot. Come on in here. Somebody come talk to You know, I like Facebook. I don't have to act like I'm, you know, we're, we're just doing, we're living. Saying, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say unto them that prophesy. This is important. I want you to hear this phrase. Y'all lean in. Come on, lean in. Them that prophesy out of their own heart. So that's a carnal prophecy. It's very humanist. It's very worldly. It forgives your nonsense. It ignores you. Just got out of the bed of uncleanness and still tells you God can't wait to bless you. Okay? And it says, unto them that prophesy out of their own heart. Isn't that powerful? Your heart prophesies. And a lot of people don't realize that their heart prophesies. I've got some situations now, but I'm listening to folks, even among my own, I said, no, that's, that's, but they don't want to hear my God because they're invested in it. And when people are invested in their desire and that's, that prophecy fits what they've always wanted, they are invested in it, and they're too invested in it for truth. So here it says, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. So you can lead yourself prophetically according to what you want, according to the desires of your heart. You can do that. He just said it. 
You can craft a prophecy in your heart. You can thank God that you are able to have this prophecy and the fact that it correlates with what you've always wanted, how you've always thought, how you've always, it's the always factor that you have to ask. But isn't that something you always did? Isn't that something you always wanted? It's the always factor. So your heart is always going to please you. It's always going to vote for what you want. And it will then, from that moment, it goes into its imaging, its imaging role, and it goes into its audiating role, and it begins to write a script that supports what you have always said and now need God to approve or bless. Because two-thirds of the time, what God wants is not what you want. How many of us can say that? <laughs> two-thirds of the time, God is going to tell you that you're going to tell God, God, I really have to have this, please, and God's going to say, uh-uh, or go silent. When, when you can tell when you are walking into a what God's going to go silent, and he said, I'm going to let your heart prophesy to you. I'm going to show you this. He said, I'm going to let you live your heart cross, because this is emotionality. Sentimentality. And he said, Oh Israel, thy prophets are like foxes in the desert. You have not gone up into the gap, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them, and they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word, or in another translation, bring the word to pass. So they live in this constant pressure on God. God, now I said it in your name. God's like, well, that's fine. You said it in my name. I didn't say it. And so, and he said, have you not seen a vain vision, and have you not spoken a lying divination, whereas you say, the Lord saith this, albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, because your heart will give you lies, and the devil that has seduced you will give you, you know, he'll depict you, he'll give you some drama. And he said, therefore, behold, I am against you, says the Lord God, and mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not, this is the most powerful thing you need to know, they shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. And we are eternal Israel. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Because even because they had seduced my people, saying peace, and there was no peace, and one built a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortal. Is that powerful? See, you don't have to figure out what God's going to do with true or false prophecy. He's already written it because this is new to God. It's new to you. It's kind of like the, because you got your driver's license, they, they put up stop signs. No, they had them before you got a license. <laughs> you, know? you know, wow, I can drive. Oh, they just did that because I got my license today. No. No, they always had it. And so you've got to get to a place that you can study this, and you need to study these passages from more than one translation so you can get the fullness of what God is addressing and dealing with. But he tells you 
how false prophets become false. It says it. They follow their own spirit. They say God said what he didn't say. They ignore God's truth. They envision lies. Everybody who started out as a prophet didn't mean to be false. They just didn't mean to be God. When they, when you have that conflict between the will of God, the word of God, the way of God, we got a problem. And so I just, you know, I wanted to read you that, but now let's go over here to my personal favorite. And he even talked about how women, this is just too good, 14 months, and he goes, after he tells them all of the judgment, I want to go to 1323, therefore you should see no more vanity, nor divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God, now you have to read all of the stuff that he does. He said, you know, and if there is a piece in here that you need to know why false prophecy exists, and I want to read that, just that one phrase to you. <clears throat> Where on verse 20, of 1320, wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against you, and he's talking about the women. Now, these are false prophets, you know, if we had a chance. <laughs> the testers. When they say test, I get mad. My name ain't test. Okay? And so if you don't say, you know, Dr. S, and all, which they did, but they dropped that. For some reason, they won't drop it with us. Verse 16 of 13, I, I wanted to jump over it, but I think we need to say it. To wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesied concerning Jerusalem and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, says the Lord. Likewise, verse 17, likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of my people which prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy against them. <clears throat> and say, thus saith the Lord God, woe to the women that sow pillows to all armed holes. In other words, you see them, those Middle Eastern women with the little tiny pillows all over, those little dippers, they look like, we don't call them pillows, we would call them a, a, a puffy tassel, but they're little pillows. He said, and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature, look at this, to hunt souls. False prophecy is to hunt your soul. And if you go in and key in soul hunting, you're going to see a lot of pagans have soul hunting meetings. Because they want to hunt their hunting soul. He said, will you hunt the souls of my people, and will you save the souls alive that come to you? In other words, you're going to, you're going to save the ones that convert to you. They just to be killed and kept alive. And will you pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die? and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies. So you understand that, you, and I want you all to hear me, this is not new to God. Satan has been hunting souls forever, but now you know the power of a prophet because a prophet penetrates, penetrates the soul. Prophecy goes right into that soul. And once it does, it makes its way through all of the other parts of you so that it compels you to obey. It compels you to do. So this is a soul issue. False prophecy, true prophecy, both of them are about your souls. Wherefore, saith the Lord God, behold, I'm against your pillows, because, you know, they use them for prayer, like touching them, like, like the Catholics have the little beads. 
um, where you hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms and will let the souls go, even the souls that you hunt. So what are they saying? They assign a soul to those tools, those little. So there's a person that prophesies them and prophesies whole other things. Um, your churches also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. This was talking about a prophetic company, a prophetic community, a prophetic institution. Because with lies, you have made the heart of the righteous sad. whom I have not made sad and strengthened the hands of the wicked that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. God don't mind. God don't care. God's all right with that. Don't worry about it. God's going to bless you. God's got to bless you because you're his. It doesn't matter. If God wants you to stop doing something, he'll take it. Why? He's not struggling with it. He says your righteousness is for you. I'm righteous all by myself. And so... Therefore, you should see no more vanity nor divination or divine divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Then came certain of the elders of Israel to me. This is good, guys. Lean in. I hope you have your Bible because I want you to read this. I don't want you to just take my word for it. He said, and they sat before me because he's a chief prophet, so the elders of the land come to him for advisement. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, Listen to this. This is so good. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put before and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faith. Should I be inquired of all by them? Of, at all by them. Therefore, speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that sets up his idol in his heart and puts the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and come to the prophet. Here's this. This is where good. Good. Because the false prophet is not just devil. He said, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. So all those idols in your heart that you, God has given, yay, yay, amen, I say go. That's because God is saying, you want your idols to gain permission from me or approval from me for you to do their way. He said, I'm not answering you according to your idols. So when you come with the wrong thought or the wrong, that which is not the will of the Lord in your heart to God, God is going to tell you. So you'll say, please, Lord, don't tell me that I can't buy this car. So the Lord is not going to tell you you can't buy this car. Because you asked them to tell, not to tell you that you couldn't own this prophet. <laughs> and so the prophet that he uses is a prophet, are the prophets that are habitually drawn by the flesh. But they have a pattern, they have a habit of speaking what people want to hear. Because this is, I got prophets who will tell you just what you want to hear. And I will answer you according to those prophets. So you wonder how people, well, I, I, I prayed and I fasted, but you didn't pray and fast in truth and purity. You prayed and fasted to turn God's uh, word into what you wanted. I'm just, I just got to, God, I just got to know. I got to know, I got to know, but I got to know, I got to know. But, mm-mm. 
God will answer you according to your idols. So, and he'll tell you, because you got an idol. So Because he knows that what you want has been inspired by a, another God. So he's like, well, I'm, you asked me not to tell you, so I'm not going to tell you. But he also isn't going to tell you all the sequence that comes with that. You buy the car, think of Balaam. Balaam would not, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. You buy the car, God lets you buy the car, and then you get upset because you get laid off. You're like, but why am I laid off? I mean, I'm all God. You said yes. I said yes because you asked me to say yes to it. You didn't care about my will. You didn't care about my righteousness. You didn't even care about my omniscience and my foreknowledge that I knew the company was going into bankruptcy. You just wanted a yes. So I gave you what you asked for. You asked for a yes. I'm giving you a yes. That doesn't mean it's a black yes. It just means yes. Well, that's what he said. Did he say that? He said, I always, and he gets me on this. I, 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 when I tell you, I said, man, I just love this guy. He just my honey. Oh, let me find this one. So he's going to and he says, verse 5, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. In other words, these people have become a cultic. These idols are now masquerading as the voice of God. And, and, and what they like about it is that Instead of having God in all of his personalities, because devils don't, don't, can't do that, they can have as many gods as they want to cover whatever emotional, psychological, sentiment, or issue they desire. It says here, he said, because they're all estranged. And, I mean, when you look at that, the word estranged means profane, defiled, alienated, and separated. He said, they've left me for falling God, for witchcraft, for paganism, for sorcery and wizardry. Half of you all got so many Harry Potter books in your place, house you will be, um, and, and you're calling it liberation, and God's calling it, you're liberated from Christ. But you're bound, you're enslaved to Satan. Some of you all, you got all of those occult things, you got all them silly little nasty little novels in your house, you got all of those sites that you go to talking about you're a Christian. You're, yeah, you're not a Christian of Jesus Christ. You're one of them false Christ that God talked about. Because let me tell you, true Christ can't stomach that stuff. True Christians could never stomach Harry Potter. Not a true Christian. That's right. They can't. I promise you they can't. They won't go to Disney because they know it's about Harry Potter. Amen. Not a true Christian. Well, I just, I, I just, you know, I just don't want to be religious. Yeah, I know you don't. But it's interesting enough to say that everything, all of those that you follow with Harry Potter is all about religion. It's about a pagan religion. They got to pray. They got incantation. They got to do potions. They got to do communion. They got to do the same thing you do. They just do it in dirty little underground, clean little places. <laughs> Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abomination. For every one of the house of Israel or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separated himself from me, and sets up his idols in his heart and puts the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will also answer him by myself. And I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb. And I will cut off 
Cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet be deceived, when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people, and they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall even be as the punishment of him that seeks him. Okay, so Facebook, is this amazing or what? YouTube, audience? Because you think, and when I make statements, people think I'm making it up. Oh, you're just making this up because you just don't want me to be happy. What do I care about your happiness? What you eat won't make me fat. <laughs> so what do I care? I'm telling you, the man has a way. And this here is the testimony of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the author of all prophecy for his people. So when you start talking about, now, you know, I, I, I don't understand that, I mean, I went to a prophet. God will take a lying prophet like he did in, what is the first king, 13, with your own. He'll take a lying prophet and use a lying prophet to take you out and the prophet. Because God is the God of truth. And if he doesn't act on lies, you will never know the difference between the truth and the lie. So you have to be ready. I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to move over here. And I want you to look at your... I want you to look at this, how this is working. First, so when you first start out, your heart decrees. And then your soul will receive it. And then your mind will command it. So there is a, this is always working. What you vote on, you're always voting on something. Now I'm going to find out how, you know, um, Marie told me how to do this. And my, oh, but you said that they can, they can see it. Is that right, Rachel? Did I do it right? Or am I extending? Do I duplicate or extend? Extend. Uh, uh, extend is the one I want. I hope I did it right. Okay. So because I want to show you. Am I on? Yeah. Oh, that's what I, see, I was, was right. That's all right. It was good to know that I was right. How about that? I was happy. <laughs> is that it? All right. I want to talk to you about, because I've been talking to you about your prophetic pedigree for a while. There we go. And I, I want you to understand, and I just put you through quite an explanation. Did you all find that explanation useful? Because people say, I don't know how to check a prophecy. It's here. It's not hard. It's here. The prophecy is already done. The checkpoints are already done. The criteria is already laid out. So let's look at this, because we're still on this prophetic pedigree, because you need to know how pure your prophet is. Because an impure prophet may give you an accurate word, a right word, but it will not be a pure word, because it won't be from pure motives. It's up to you. It's up to God to sanctify them. So when you talk about your... Um, your human awakener, the person who awakened you as a prophet, what, what caliber of prophet that was. Now, when people are awakened, I won't say that they're awakened, people are aroused by the gift of prophecy. The 
gift will arouse you. All of a sudden, you don't notice. You know, it'll say things like, you're, you know, the, the Lord's going to use you prophetically, etc. Can't give you any depth of breath because it's not given to them. Because classified things are in the classified place. So we have to, you, you have to explore. Talking about criteria, you have to explore your human, your prophetic awakening. Okay, are they a novice? If they're a novice, you can't make them your mentor just because they, they recognize God is doing prophetics with you. Many of you have novices for mentors. They try to figure it out, and then they're trying to get you to figure it out. And between the two of y'all, I'm in. <laughs> and then what is that awakener standing with Christ? Do you know what that is? I want to talk to some of the other things. I'm going to point these out. How about their prophetic legacy? If you came from a prophet that defected from Jesus Christ, guess what? You are a defected and infected prophet. And not only defected and infected, you are also infested. Because they move by false spirits. Remember the idols. I just read it. You're infested. You're prophetically infested with unclean spirits. And unclean spirits come from fallen angels. We'll talk about that in about a month or so. So you're infected, and that is why you can't beat your habits. You can't deal with. You can't get a. Uh, you can't get free from drugs. You're addicted and prophesying because devils need you intoxicated to prophesy. That is why you can't get free from your addiction because you've got a devil of, of addiction who is needs your intoxication to. Accept their word. I'm not making this up. This is, these are all matters of record, which is what when you see people, a lot of people who are um, quote-unquote Christian, and they start talking about, um, they get high, and all of a sudden we're talking about religious things. They were talking about spiritual things. They were talking because devils created booze and intoxication. They need those. But to gain access to you, because that way they can override your instincts, your will, and your judgment. Mm-hmm. So you need, you need that. I mean, they need you high. They need you whatever. you got to know where that person stands in the prophetic spectrum and where that spectrum is in God. So you have to know out of your earshot, out of your eyesight, who are these people. That's why I, I'm, I'm 100% for finding out what they do. When you go there, and some of you all, you can tell that you're not understanding God because you'll go there and you'll see them in the club, you'll see them at the bar and all of that, and you know what you say? They're free like me. No, they're bound like you. (laughs) They're not free. They're bound like you, and you are there to witness that they are a captured, enslaved, a captive prophet. Well, they gave me some things that came to pass. Let's say something just because they come to pass on me and God, because Jesus talked about that. In Deuteronomy, he said, they come to pass, but they, those words come to pass, but then that prophet is telling you, you don't need to stay with God. He said, so when a word comes to pass, you need to see what the postscript is. And by the way, you don't need Jesus. You don't need church. You don't need a pastor. You don't need all of that. When a, when a prophet starts up walking your way from truth, from deliverance, from healing, as a false prophet, or as a person bound and influenced by another spirit. So then we have, they have a mind for Christ, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Don't ever quote it without that beginning phrase, because the enemy likes to quote it without that phrase, the spirit of the prophet is the prophet. 
Jesus is the spirit prophecy. No, no, because, and here's why. Jesus said the Holy Ghost is how he speaks. And I 13, the Holy Ghost says, the Spirit bit me. And what does the Spirit does? The Spirit takes from what is Jesus Christ and shows it to us. So if it's the Holy Ghost, it's not going to show you how wonderful and how liberating it is to enjoy Harry Potter. That's the false spirit. How wonderful it is to fall in love with zombie shows and how great it is to just, be, be, you know, to be tatted up. And that's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit thinks that what he, the Father, and the Son created was perfect. And you, you putting graffiti on it is not a statement of them. The Holy Ghost is not going to tell you to graffiti your flesh. And that's what tattooing is, is graffiti. So the mind for Christ, you have a mind for Jesus Christ. You want to know about the Son of God. You want to know about the man that got on that cross for you. You want to know what happened to him for those three days. You want to understand how what he did on the cross and his going to hell translates to your eternal life. You have to have the mind for Christ, not just the mind of Christ. Some of you have a mind of Christ, want to pursue the mind of Christ, and you barely have a mind for him. You don't like it. And, and, and we need to stop saying that you are confused. What? No, uh-uh. people love Jesus Christ by their spirit. If they belong to him, they love him. They don't understand him. And it's one thing to say that I don't understand. It's another thing to say, but I just don't believe God is like that. So you're saying God's not holy because you profane. So you need to check that up and look up the word fame, F-A-N-E. Look up fire, F-I-L-E. And then take and put the D-E on it, and you understand what God's talking about. You start out pagan. Everybody, we all explore just spirituality. Spirituality is kind of generic. But now you have to move from there into the specifics of it. you got to, hey, everybody's got to declare your God. You know, when you're in college, you got to declare major. You have to declare what God you want to serve. So you want to figure that out. You want to understand what your human awakener calls prophetic prophecy, and good prophetic. You want to know what they call. So you need to know their criteria, and you need to know their measurements. you got to know. And then you got to know their core destiny. What do they say is a prophetic destiny? It's important that you know that. And you have to be able to answer it, because you know what? My folks can talk that about me. We have a whole lot of conversations about me. I can tell you that there was no human that awakened me. There was a human that affirmed me, a wonderful man up in um, Massachusetts. Long since gone home to be with the Lord. Very powerful prophet. And he told me I can't lay hands on you. Okay. So he prophesied, but he didn't have to. The guy had so much power, he just said, Who? I was gone. Who is your human awakener accountable to? You've got to know accountability. Or are they not? Are they just like these wandering nomadic prophets? We got a lot of nomads in the prophetic. A lot of nomads. They just pop in here and pop in there and tell you, I just I just travel around. No, no. Israel had two types of prophets. The charismatic ones wandered. The Nabis did not. They gathered. You have to figure that out because you have to know. 
So you, God may make you wander until you find the people, the group that he's looking for. He'll make you wander because when God attaches you to an organization, he holds you accountable to how you handle that attachment. So a whole lot of it, you know, who, 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 I like this one, who is their parentage? Who, who is your prophetic parentage? Because that's going to tell you the height, depth, breadth, etc. of that prophet, of their prophets in their group. There are some people who are just called to prophesy. That doesn't make them any less prophets, but they're just called to prophesy. They're not called to exercise any authority. Remember last week, I need you to go back and listen to that. We talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 28 versus Ephesians 4, 11. It's important that you know. So who are, they, who are their parents? You know? I mean, even with Melchizedek, it was important that everybody know that Melchizedek had no earthly parentage. So it, it, let's see, what do they do with the sacred text? Are they always telling you the Bible's area? The Bible doesn't have enough. Oh, no, the Bible doesn't cover everything. Well, you know, there are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't cover. I don't know. The Bible handles abortion. Kill the person who rips the child from the mother or causes miscarriage. That's in the Bible. And as far as God's concerned, it's a death sentence because you caused death. That's why they're trying to get rid of the Bible because then they don't have a reason. Because when you read the book of Enoch, which I'm going through again, he talks about how they taught humans how to pull the baby out of the womb to kill them. And he said the fallen angels or the watchers did that. So that didn't come from God. So you little Christian ladies, you need to go back and repent because you were caught up in a devil who needed your baby, your aborted child as a blood sacrifice. What are they saying about the sacred text? Well, the Bible was written by man. So, as I said it before, so was your paycheck, so was your program. That computer you love, man. Those codes, man. All of that, human. Your degree, man. God did not come down from heaven and write your degree. <laughs> Hallelujah. The textbook that got you that degree, human. He did not come down. He came down once to write the Ten Commandments. And then told him when Moses messed up, he said, listen, you're going to write the next batch. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! We have to know that. You know, we have to know their level and stature in God, prophetic level and stature. Baby prophets can't go anywhere, just like human babies can't go anywhere. They can give you one word, monosyllables. They can mostly give you a word and can't tell you where it came, why they have it. They just know it's God. They can't tell you what to do with that word. Wisdom does not come to the base. Wisdom is a 24-7, 365 attainment. Can't do it. And then we have, we talked about that, the spiritual realm. What realm are they in? I know for a fact that several of you all are following People who started out as prophets with God, they took you to witches, they took you to uh, warlocks, they took you to sorcerers, they took you to shamans, and you are walking around talking about you're a prophet. You're not a prophet of Jesus Christ. He just said, you will prophesy by idols. So if I, that's why I tell people, know their background, know their destiny, know their resume, know their bio, know where they did, who did they frequent, because that's going to tell you who's in there and who's speaking in there. When you see a prophet that says 
I'm a prophet, and you're still talking about, but I can't get a dis- I can't get delivered. I can't stop sleeping with women. I can't stop sleeping with men. I can't take sex out of the equation. I can't take uh, 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 intoxication out of the equation. I cannot, you know, get up in the morning. I can't keep a job. All of those are people who are awakened wrongly as prophets, and they're and they're living their idle habits. The addiction is a is the habit of an idol that has scripted itself in a human. Now that idol could have whatever that idol told you to do, you'll have to come up to some of the soul classes to get more like that. So you need to know who 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 is your your angel progenitor, who opens it, and you don't have a way. If you can't find it in here, Isaiah said if they don't come speaking according to this law, he said, then it's because there's no light in them no truth in them. So you, and, and you, we sat there, and as, as pastors and, and preachers and evangelists, you allow these people to separate God's possession from his word and his truth. And so when it, and in that separation, a whole host of other things came in, the, the, the chasm. Can we talk about that? And let's talk about when they were awakened. If they were awakened at an occult meeting, you need to understand that's an idol. Those are idolatry. Those are pagans. And a lot of folks got away. I, I, you know, when people come to me and say, well, you know, we also have to include the psychic. No, you do. I don't have to include them in anything. And they're not trying to be included in me for any other reason than sabotage. Well, you know, I mean, but some of them can be can be. Prophets of Christ and let them get saved and renounce their sins. That's what, that's what they had to do in the Ephesus. Those apostles said, you got to renounce your curious heart. So you're not going to sit there and be on the psychic line and then come into my prophetic presbytery. That's not happening. you got to make it choose you this day, whom you will serve. I have, you know, I, I'm always the one that people say, well, you know, you just have to understand and you just have to be tender. I, they're not tender with us. They're not tender with them at all. They're not trying to be tender. I promise you they're not trying to be tender. They're trying to win, and so are we. The problem is they think winning is okay, and you think winning is an ego trip. They're about winning. I'm about, I told you, I was the best of the best, the top of the top, the blessed of the blessed, and not the least of the less. I'm very clear. I do not want that. I'm not here for weak prophets. I got teachers who will help you get strong. That's not me. When you get to my level, you better be real and you better be serious because I'm not playing with that. So, no, we're not doing that. So, look, let's talk about the prophetic latitude again. Let's talk about these novices that wake you up and, and, and God doesn't listen to them for whatever, or it takes 15 years for their word to come to pass. There is a place in God that where you grow and where you become stationed and you move as your state changes, your status changes, your station changes. And there is a place where you sit in that high station of counselors and advisors that God uses alongside the angels in his court, and you're speaking to what God is dealing with. Where is your prophet? So you're sitting there thinking you're going to be a world-class prophet, and you've got a, a, a novice mentor, or you've got somebody, a third-class uh, messenger, trying to make you world-class. That can't happen. Is that all right to say? Yes, it can 
You need to be with someone who can deliver. And it's not just because they got a big ministry, because we've seen those with big ministries who are prophets go out like they had nothing. So it can't be what they acquired. It has to be something else. Christuniversity.org. <laughs> so what, is, what about divine genealogy? Can, they, can you see that? Divine, what is the divine genealogy? What is the, the, are we talking about born of God? Has your prophet been born again? Has your prophet been born of God? Or have they been renovated by fallen angels? So you need to know that. You need to ask those questions, you know? And then you want to ask whether or not they are, have, have prophetic wit. Are they in the gift or in the, are they gift or office? Uh, this is not to discredit one or the other, but it is to let you know the gifts belong to the office. The office does not belong to the gift. And we've treated it like that. You, you, you take your gifts to a job interview to get in their office. Isn't that how we do it? Because we like to think that, well, I'm, not the, I'm in the gift of, well, yeah, but you don't have an office. You're freelancer. And nobody can back you. Nobody can confirm you. Nobody can affirm you. You're freelancer. I'm just looking for a place to prophesy. We talked about that. Do we understand, again, I've, I've hit it several times, can we talk about occultic versus biblical operatives? Are they operating by another spirit, a fallen spirit? And could you, do you know? When you are a young prophet, you don't even know when you pick up a devil or a demon. You don't know when you caught one in a prayer line. You know, like you catch a cold, catch a disease. You catch devils. They want to be caught. And so you're out there under uh, uncovered, underdeveloped, without your guard on, no body armor on, you know, the whole armor of God. That's the body armor of the Holy Ghost. You're out there just doing your gift, and then you catch a devil and then wonder why all of a sudden you have a, 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 a craving for that, an itch for that, and, a, and an inclination or a pinch out for something. Because you picked up that spirit, and you didn't recognize you picked up a spirit. And God will show you, but you don't. if you don't have his training and development, you don't know. Well, they told me that, that you can't, no, you just can't pick up a spirit. I don't, I, I, I don't know what they told you, but what I do know is that those true prophets ended up being false prophets with idols. That was a pickup. The guy, the, the, the young prophet that the lioning was picked up by false prophets. And God knew it. You just assume that, that since they're not powerful to you, they're not powerful. No, no. God makes no jump. And he didn't make jump devils either. That's why he needs stronger ones, a stronger man than that. Oh, see, somebody's going to Is this all right? So and, and so how are you superintended? How are you being taken care of by this awakener? Because all of these become your pedigree measurements and criteria. What kind of instruments are being used? How about this? Can you distinguish prophecy from divination? Do you know what that is? God talks to you about what divination is. And divination is always on your side. That's the one thing divination is doing because it's recruiting when he said, hunt the souls of my people. And then let's talk about the quality of the Christ character. 
And we think quality of Christ character is merely morality. It isn't. It's the Christ character. What is Christ's character when it comes to fighting? Many people don't even think Jesus is a fighter. So that's why you don't believe he can get your soul to heaven. Because you don't think that he's a fighter. You don't think that he's a warrior. Because he's a prince of peace, he cannot be a warrior. Let me tell you something. The reason he's a prince of peace is because he wore chaos out. He outwore chaos. You don't get peace just because you wake up. So do you know if that his character? How about evidence of the Christ mind? I personally like this one. And the reason I like it is because we like to quote, I got the mind of Christ. No, you don't. Let me tell you why you don't have the mind. I'm being honest with you because, you know, faith don't know. You don't have the mind of Christ. You have, you, you literally are pleased, you, you appreciate it. And it's a future objective. But you don't have the mind of Christ because you don't like Christ. There are a lot of things. You love this man, but you don't like him. You don't like his ways. You don't like his sovereignty. You don't like his restrictions. You don't like his conditions. You don't like him. You don't like his, his order. You don't like how he tells you you need to dress. You don't have the mind of Christ because you don't care about keeping his kingdom. You don't care about keeping his church. You, uh, you don't care about anything but getting your own wealth. Christ didn't do that. Christ cared about God. You're not you're happy. You don't want to come to church. When you come to church, you want to go sleep. And if, if you want to it's coming home, you don't want to read your Bible. If you read your Bible, you don't, your Bible, you don't want to live it. Because who are you to tell me what to do? Christ didn't. The Bible said he humbled himself to death. You're not willing to humble yourself for obedience. We ain't got to death. The Bible said Christ despised the shame of the cross. Uh, uh-uh, I ain't going to be embarrassed with this man. You have no idea what he lives every day, and you don't care. You don't care about his losses. You don't care about all of these things. You, that's why you can walk up there with your little skinny tight jeans on and all of that because you don't like it. And you can call it liberation all day long. It's not liberation. It's transferred captivity. You just change your captives. You don't like him. You don't like him telling you what to do. See, Jesus doesn't have that. You can't conform to Jesus. Lord, I wish I could, but I just can't. You don't understand. God, that's just not me. And God is like, but you're supposed to be dead. What are you talking about if this is not you? You're supposed to be hidden in Christ. You're not supposed to have any opinions or any feelings or any preferences because we are all on the same battle. The angels of Jesus Christ, the citizens of heaven, all know that they are in a war. They're in a battle. There's a real spirit that does not want their kingdom to prevail, that does not want their king to reign. They fight every day for Jesus' inheritance. You, you give his inheritance to anybody. So you don't like, you love him. And the only reason you love him is because you shed his love abroad in your heart. But you don't like him. You don't like him. You don't like the fact that he says that, Broad is the way to destruction. You listen to Satan. Satan got to have a broad way because he's not one. He is many, he, 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 literally, he can't reproduce anything but himself. So he needs a broad way because he got to have a, a lane for all them devils. All them devils need a lane. <laughs> they don't really need a lane. God needs a narrow way. I got one. God is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We are one so we can walk through the eye of a needle. We don't need a Broadway because we're one, because we're the one. We're the one who made it. And we can put everything that we say in us 
and carry you through the eye of the night. Because we're all behind the veil of his flesh. He doesn't need luggage. He doesn't need backpack. All he does is put us in him. And then say, let's go through the narrow places. And we hid in Christ, who is hidden God. Technology of theology. Hmm. Devils can't do that. Devils got to get in you to get something. But you can't get in them. What is your prophetic awakeness definition of obedience? You you agree with God? You disagree with God? We agree. We disagree with them or we don't. And if you disagree, and then we're always always looking for that permissive will. We're always skating that acceptable will. Well, what, 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 we can get, what we can say is acceptable to us. But when you are called to the top, nothing but the top, nothing but the best will get your attention because you want to be good. Top people want to be the best. They're not trying to get out of being the best. They want the trials. They want the tryouts. They want the triathlons of, of the Holy Ghost. They need that so that everybody knows they're the top of the top and the best of the best. And he said, if few there be, what do he say? And few there be to find me. So God is okay with not having everything that ever got on the planet. He's okay with that. As a matter of fact, he prefers not to have everything so he can have the best of things. Mm. Isn't that man something? Mm. That man is something else. Almost done. And then do you know their prophetic type? Like, do you really understand their prophetic type? What type of prophet? Because God may be calling you to, you know, business and finance, and you've been mentored by a pastoral prophet. You understand there's a conflict. And so you're getting pastoral counseling for a ruthless world. Isn't that right? Yeah. So the pastor's going to tell you to be the lamb. <laughs> okay. Is that right? The pastor's going to say, you you got to be the lamb. Be sweet. No, baby, you can't. Some of them say, but you cannot be sweet. Because you be sweet, you're going to be meat for dinner. <laughs> and so you have to make sure you know your prophet's type. You know how they think. Their height and depth and scope. You have to know that. And you have to know whether or not your prophet understands business. Now, if you got a prophet who left the business sector and then went to become a pastor, well, that's different. But then they'll be, they're not going to tell you to be lamb. They're going to tell you to leave the little lamb to walk home. Don't, don't, don't wear the shearling today, baby. Because <laughs> you're liable to get shaved. But <laughs> they're going to tell you, put on the armor. Don't you have that metal thing you have? Where is that? You still have that? Put that on. Put on your armor. A lot of a lot of you all went tried to go to be be church. See, I don't have a problem with being Christian, but you went to try to be church in the business sector, and you act like these people. You were just dealing with members of your your church. You're like we all in the same kind. No, no, no. Because see, these people play to win, and God said we ought to be harmless as doves, but we ought to be what wise as serpents. And we that means cunning. God is cunning. That's how come he sees that I can snatch the, the crafty in their craftiness. 
So you need to recognize that. Or you could be called to medicine, and then you got somebody else who's, who's constantly, you're never hearing your affirmation. So you think you're hearing God wrongly because you, you got, you're you on somebody who's called to medicine, so they're somebody healing and whatnot, and then you're called to be, a, 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 if not an entrepreneur, you're called to be a teacher, or you're called to be theater, you're called to be in the arts, but you're not hearing that. You have got to know. If you're going to want to submit yourself, you've got to know that they can get you there. Because if not, you will always feel as if you have not fulfilled the will of God because what they say, what they tell you to do, you either can't do or you can't stand doing it. You just can't stand doing it. You can't stand hearing it. So, I mean, so God has, because the prophetic wraps around the world. See, the, whole, the world was framed by the word of God. What does that say? If the world was framed by the word of God, guess what's paramount? Prophecy. Prophetic. Unsaved folk know that. So if this world was framed by the word of God, that means that there is a prophet for everything. We got the exterminator prophet. Now I can I can spray some bugs and get a message from spraying bugs. You your life just gets a bug out of my life. Come on, team. Did you all like that? Yeah. Every now and then I get a nice studio audience. I really appreciate it because, you know, y'all make me, y'all bring me out. Y'all make me stretch out. It's important that you do. And then when we get together, we're gonna, next time we're going to look at mind and see all that goes into having the mind of Christ since that's what we claim we got. We got the mind of Christ. Oh. I heard someone has a birthday tomorrow. Me. Yeah. Me. Oh, my God. These are beautiful. Mm. Oh, yeah, nice. I like it. I got a birthday tomorrow. You do? Yes. Again? Again. I did it last year this oh, time. I did it last year. I know. I know. And I keep trying to do it. Yeah, for year. I don't like that. Annual thing, I guess. I guess, I'm, well, I guess if I'm still here, we probably ought to count. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking if I'm still here. So um, next week we're going to talk about what it means to say I have the mind of Christ, you know, because mind is very important. we got mentality and all of this. We're going to have fun with that. Right now we're going to get back. We're going to start talking with the team. we got a team. Hey, team. <laughs> you know, oh, you know my, my, my computer wants to take its time. I got a problem with when a new computer wants to take its time, though, don't you? Mm. Yeah. So, you're first. You're first. Okay, this was, this was really, really, really fire today. Uh, I think that your book, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think uh, I think your book 3D really goes with this. So you talked about personal truth today. So, uh, I was putting a note, go back and really look that up because you talked about our souls constructed in the ways of this world. You will fight God when it doesn't measure up to your personal truth. And it's really oh. powerful because right now, obviously, that's really, really big culturally. You know, yeah. it's just like 
But it's not you don't think about truth. Like listen to your personal truth. So I think that's really powerful. I um, just want to tell you guys that 3D book, 3D Distress mm-hmm. to Success, get that, grasp of that, because um, she explains in that book the different types of truths, right? Um, they all speak to you. They all sound mm-hmm. valid to you. So I think it's so, so super important. I'm going to go back. You talked about looking up values. So um, I did look that up. Mm-hmm. Possessing or showing courage or determination. It's really powerful, obviously, to this discussion. Courage not to go that way, I guess, not to go the way of the soul, because mm-hmm. you talked about having to train the soul, so that's so crucial. Um, again, Dr. Price has a lot of soul messages yeah, that I think are important, so go back to our store, drpaulaprice.com, and get those. I'm going to go back to those myself, too, because it's just important, obviously, to know what those confines are so that you know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you also said today uh, there's a difference between pure and accurate, so I wanted to just speak on that a little bit, because you've said that before. You said that a couple of Paul Price shows ago, ago mm-hmm. uh, which I think it's obviously powerful for us to know what that difference is. So I wonder if you speak on that a little bit. Well, what is, I want to start with the, the passage that says, to the pure, all things are pure. And to the sinning and defiled. That means when people are in their sin, they don't hear purity. They condemn purity. And they, uh, that's when they start, you know, calling you names like religious and, you know, holy roller and all of those kinds of things because they're fighting your purity to keep their perversity. So when you start saying that this is not God, they're, they're always going to, because of their sin, they're always going to bring God into their sin, either as a approver of that sin or as a partner, corroborator or partner of that sin. So, well, God knows me. God understands my ways. Well, you know, God, I mean, me and God. So when you think about that, something can be accurate. Like you could have an accurate drug. That doesn't, and it, you could have pure heroin. It could be accurately measured. But guess what? It's not pure to the body. The body can't relate to it. So there are things that are without contaminants, without influence, etc. but that doesn't mean that it is healthy or wholesome. You can have an accurate chemical formula and then get a bug in it. So the purity issue is very, very strong with God. And, and, and it's funny because when we think purity, you know, evil can be pure. No Jesus in it. No God in it. No righteousness in it, no life in it, no intent for life, no desire to heal. Purely formulated to cause death. And so you can, and then it can, we can have accurate, like I can give you an accurate account of what's going on, mm-hmm. but am I giving it to you for gossip? Mm-hmm. Or am I giving it to you for, um, for measurement? Am I giving it to you as an update? Am I giving you instruction? So that you can give, I mean, like our news people swear they're giving us an accurate account. They're not. Their, their account is laced with the agenda right. of today. They, they can't help it. I mean, no matter what, they, the things they choose to be accurate about, right. as opposed to I'm not going to give you an accurate account of this situation if it's going to conflict with my agenda. Right. Hmm. Yes, you talked about loving loving God versus liking him, and this is also not the first time that you talked about that okay. on our show. 
Um, could you also articulate that for us as well so that we, we can understand? A lot of us do believe that we love the Lord, right? Um, what, what does it mean or what does it look like when we do not like him? Perfect. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing in that office? <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> Uh, you know, many of you know that I am an, uh, I love words. I'm an etymology junkie. I'm going to sit down. One day I'll bring you one of my etymology books. This says highlighted from cover to cover with tabs. So when I make a statement, nobody can read it. Nobody can read That's okay. <laughs> it, it, it will not be in the bookstore. It will not be in the resale bookstore because it's stupid. And so I, I do. I sit down and I study words. And as it happened, your question is so timely, I researched the word like. And the word like actually means to be the same as. Mm-hmm. It comes from the word. It says to be the same as. So if you, want, if you like somebody, it's because you want to be the same as them. And as long as there are issues where you feel it's marginal, you can be marginal with Jesus Christ, then, that, then, then, then you have division. You can't be like him. You're one model. He's another model. You have one mission for life. He has another mission for life. So they're, they're, they will never coagulate. We don't coagulate with God's character. We don't coagulate with his temperament. We don't coagulate with his preferences. God has a major duty that we don't care about. And that duty is he has got to sanctify the world from the sin of the devil's divinity. And so what we do is we redefine what God doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we call something else. I mean, come on, let's talk about the affair versus adultery. God, God doesn't like adultery. He hates it. But we like, people like sleeping around with other folks. And they like not having to deal with the consequences of their sin. I married the wrong person, and guess what? They're terrible and bad. Happens. <laughs> that's a lifelong down. <laughs> so we don't, but, uh, but, and, and you'll say, well, he's good in everything else, she's good in everything else, but as far as this here, I can go out and commit adultery, and as long as I keep it out of God's de- definition, it's the affair. And then, so the affair is that I'm unfaithful, not that I'm corrupted. Woo! Because adultery corrupts your marriage. Yeah. It corrupts his purity. So I don't want to be called a corrosive where I'm corroding my marriage. So I'm going to go with the definition. Abortion. Abortion, when you go to the etymological root, it means to kill an embryo or kill a child from the womb. In vitro murder. That's what it started out as, in the womb. In the womb. And we, so we, we renamed it. We just stopped the pregnancy. Nobody goes back to why, how do we stop it? And why stop it? Terminate. Yes. Not full term. Terminate before full term. Okay. And now you can slaughter the baby on the on the delivery day. Because we renamed it, and the idea of renaming it is to take it out of the judgment of Christianity or the judgment of God's word because most other religions allow you to do it. They understand your need to abort a baby. So we, 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 we kind of do things like that. You know, even when we call, we call religion, we, we, instead of, a, we don't want to call them idols, we call them religious choices or relics. Here we go on. So the whole point of it is that 
people, you don't like God's ways because you don't like knowing that what you do in your flesh affects him, has been affecting him for ages, and will cause him to move into his own self-defense mode. Half of the time, you won't think like judgment is because God's feelings are hurt. No, judgment is because you infected him. Thank you. And that's what I teach you. So God is immune to sin. His immunity is going to take off. I mean, let's look at others. Other touched him when he was going back into his holy posture. And what happened? God reflexively defended himself from the dirt and the defilement that other had. He said, No, you're going to dirty me. Boom. So, <laughs> we wasn't. <laughs> He's on that floor. And so, and, and so the people got mad because it's okay for us to defile God, but it's not okay for God to defend himself ah. and to purge himself. And he purges himself with fire. Y'all all right, Facebook? Is my Facebook and my YouTube, y'all okay? They hanging with me? Speaking of, there was a question on Facebook earlier when you were talking about this. I told you about this. This is a good question. Uh, when an errant prophet, when it's revealed to a prophet that they're errant and they stand by their error, are they then a false prophet? Yes, because, you know, error is, is a mistake. It's a misstep, and you can correct it. Falsehood is a deliberate decision. And I'm not making this up. I looked up the two terms. So you can be in error because of naivety, because of lack of knowledge, because of no education. So you can be in error. But when you decide to not accept that error or not take the correction or to alter that, then falsehood is called deliberate deception. Great question. Thank you. That was a great question. And again, I was reading that. Yes. You know, I like reading my, uh, you could tell I'm a brainiac. I'm going to read the etymology books and then mark them up like I'm reading the Bible. Well, you, you wrote a dictionary, though. I did. My favorite phrase. I did. But you wrote a dictionary. I'm ready to write three months. And we're still using that dictionary. Still. And it hasn't even circulated. <laughs> and Frank told me about dream interpretation last week. I was like, hold on. This is <laughs> my dictionary. Am I still talking? Yeah. Okay. Good question. If you have another one, hey, cue it up. We have a Rachel. When the statement you said that God will answer you according to your idols, and how when you really do harass Him long enough. <laughs> well, you know that nasty cat. Can I go outside, my Can I go? Can I go? Can I go outside? Can I go outside? My can I go? I want to go outside. My you said no, but can you say?
reason you can't change God's mind is not only because he's Alpha and Omega, but because as Hebrews 4 said, all God's works were finished from the foundation of the world. So he already knew before you got here that he wasn't going to like it. I'm not going to like it. I said something to God about it. Middle of last year, and I said, well, God, I'm just going to do so-and-so. He said, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, man, God's so blunt, you can't, you think you can't be, well, you can't be finished with it already. I think, can we open it up for discussion? You know, we need to open it up for something. He said, I don't like it, and he said, and I will never like it. Oh. Um, I said, but see, that's nothing. Amen. Right. He said, I will never like it because, as you just said, I have never liked it. God is finished. For someone to say they're alpha and omega, that means they're finished. He said all his works were finished. So whatever he was on, his works means all of his signs have been resolved. All of his issues have already been judged. He's not waiting for you to do it. He's waiting for you to enter into it. That's why the Bible uses the phrase enter in. You enter into God's judgment so something. You know, he's not ripping them up because you did so and so. You enter in. He's like, I said, I'm never going to like it. You know, you can sit there in the church and tell you, you know, your pastors and your prophet late there, they'll tell you, God's okay with that. God has never been, and God is not responding to you in the now. You are entering his eternal judgment in that moment. That is why he can tell you no. Moses, God and Moses, you know, Jesus and Moses had, I'll tell you, that was a pair. When they had a pair, Jesus and Moses, they were always at it. Jesus and Moses, Jesus and Peter, you know, he just said, God likes strong people because, you know, they, you know, he's talking, but he likes them doing so. There you go. And so Moses makes this mistake. It's a mistake. I mean, isn't it? Can I call him that? Maybe not. And he goes and he strikes the rock. God goes on and answers him because he's always going to glorify you and prophet because it glorifies him. And then when it gets over, he said, now listen, I told you to speak to that rock. I did not ask you to hit it. He said, because the minute you touched it, they stopped thinking I did it. And they start thinking you did it. Because they can't tell the difference between you speaking to a rock at my word and you holding out a rod over the Red Sea. So you understand, you use that stick to do all those miracles. So I certainly could not have them thinking that you can now hit rocks and bring water. I wanted to, I wanted to give them water to drink. He said, well, since you didn't do that, you're not going into the promised land. And so Moses was like, okay. For 40 years, could he know her again? I mean, can he change his mind? No. So Moses is ready. The 40 years are gone. They're ready to go in the promised land. Moses is like, let me get my stuff. No, no. Didn't I tell you you weren't going? And God is so natural, and he's so straight. You know, he's even killed. So he, he just you know, I told you you weren't going. But, but, but most of the time, I just, no. He said, now I'll let you see it, and then you're going to go die. How many times did you have a problem mountain? That man, if God kept, because you know what? He always had problems with mountains. And so God said, you're going to go, and then you're not. And so he showed him, but the whole idea is that Moses' final lesson was, I am the Lord, I change not. I don't care if your pastor tells you it's okay. The Lord does not have to receive you into his Lord. It's okay for this world. What's okay for this world is not going to be okay for the Almighty. And you need to come to terms with the fact that God's world lasts longer than this one. And you won't last too long in this world. You will get old. See, Moses was young, and, and comparatively speaking. And 40 years transpired, and God never, ever changed his mind. He didn't soften on it. 
say, come on, man, you gave me good service for 40 years. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. He's like, hey, thanks for your, okay, thanks for your service. And no, you're not going. And, and a lot of us think that because pastors are teaching you that God is mellowed with age and he's mellowed with the Gentiles and he's mellowed, mellowed since he went back home. God was finished. Before the cross started, it was finished. Before the Gentile was brought in, God was done. Because God is a provider. So he made provisions for everything he's going to do in advance. You get one more and then we got I was just going to say, based on that, it's kind of like entering into a sea trap. Mm-hmm. Police are already there, yeah. waiting, and you're breaking the law, and we can rattle off all of these profiling, <laughs> you know, whatever. Because you know, I'm black? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, but that whenever I was driving across country, I drove through uh, Indiana, and Indiana has so many sea traps, and a GPS talks to you. So it'll tell you, speed trap, literally every quarter of a mile, there's a speed trap. There's a speed trap. So you it's regulated mm-hmm. on traffic, as everybody knew, and you and they were sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. And that's when you were talking, I was thinking about the speed traps and how we run, we do things, and God already has the law enforcement there mm-hmm. waiting for that particular infraction to happen for judgment to be on your bumper. That is so cool. Pull over. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, no, and they bold. They stand in the little street. Two miles going 60 miles an hour. Yeah. You're about to be going zero. <laughs> uh, just like that. But, but the, the, when you are a prophet, when you're an apostle, when you're a leader, a pastor, you have got to realize, don't teach your people that God is responding to them in the moment. They bumped into his law. See, we, uh, we bump into God's established system because that continuum is real. Because God has this, he, that's why he said, well, not. And what am I going to say to all the people that I've held accountable to this, I've held to this before you came? So you can say, well, you know, and, and many of us are deceived. We're like, well, you know, I did it. I didn't die. I didn't get sick. I didn't get cancer. Wait on him. Wait on him because there's a bio. to your anatomy that is triggered by the technology of that theology. So God, just wait. And so you got a lot of people today, they dying of disease and carrying on. I don't deserve this. Yes, you did. You bumped into this man's law. And now you, you just because you, like you said, we didn't know the street. I didn't know the street. I, my, my GPS can tell me. <laughs> so if I didn't know it, there was no speed trap. But there was still speed limit. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. And a, a provision. And the world, really, he said the things that are seen were made by the things that are unseen. They're understand, understood by the unseen. God's alpha and omega. Stop thinking he's responding to you in the moment. He's not, he may not let you. Not, you know, you can get up off the bed of, of fornication and, and, and feel like, hey, whew, I got away. And you could have done, some of you all did things in college. You hate people. You did horrible things to people. And you want to tell God, but I was a kid. But justice doesn't know that. And justice doesn't care. Justice knows one thing. That kid is still crying in his heart because of what you did. How do we know that? Abel's blood. Crying. And so I want our job as my job as an apostle, our job as God's prophets, we are to let you know 
what's ahead. Prophecy is telling you where the speed traps are. So that, that GPS is just as prophetic. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Wasn't it prophetic? Okay, uh-uh, don't go there. Our job is to let you know God's not changing his laws because you disagree. He's not changing it because he's got living creatures who are guarding it and superintending it. And they are going to do their job because they don't have a thousand jobs. They got that one to handle that long. And, and, and my prayer, I'm writing a book uh, on this, which is probably going to be next year. And, I'm, and we, I lay out how to deal with God's seen and unseen world. Because there are a lot of things you felt just because it shouldn't be. Like we got a people here in America that say, well, I shouldn't have to lock my door. And the criminal is like, you're right, you shouldn't have to lock it, but I shouldn't have to act as if it's locked. See, everybody's got a woulda, coulda, shoulda. Well, yeah. It's time to pass the plate. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take our offering right now. Rachel has, has it going on the screen. If you're watching us on Facebook, how you can sew. You can sew via paypal.me, Dr. Paul Price, or you can sew via Cash App. And her handle there is going to be Dr. Paul Price, no spaces with the dollar sign if you're going to sew via Cash App. And then, of course, you can do text to give. 918-203-6625 is our text to give number. That's the easiest way to give if you don't use PayPal or Cash App, but you'd like to sew a seat today. And can we encourage you to visit us on takingiton.com? You need to do that, takingiton.com, so you can become a partner with us, especially if you are listening to today's show and you're saying, I, we've got to have more of this. Then you can be a part of that because we are still raising money for season two of Taking It On with Paul Price, and we need you. So take, visit us, takingiton.com. We need your help. We need you to become a partner with us. Can I encourage you to do that? Just take a moment, write it down. In your phone, write it down in your notes, takingiton.com. Some of you have been asking God about how you can help Dr. Price get to the world. Well, that's how. And this is your answer right now. You've been asking God for an answer. I'm telling you this is it right now. Visit us at takingiton.com. Become a partner of this program so we can fund season two. Yeah. And we can get Dr. Price's word out there. If you're visiting with us from the Word Network, can we just welcome you? We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you watched today. Thank you. Thank you for watching us. And for you guys who will catch the replay, if you've been watching on Word Network, thank you because we so appreciate you. We're asking you to become a partner with this program with us. And the same thing for the Now Network because I am on the Now Network, and now we're having a YouTube network. So we are loving on you all, but you all have been loving on us. And so I thank you for who you are. Join us Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. It's important to say where God stands because he's not – Okay. Anyway, 8 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock service. If you need me, you can. if you want to get directly to us, you can text us at 877-419-1299. That's a text. You're going to pass that on there from now on. Text us. You can text questions and get directly to us, you know, and not run around the system because we want you to do it. And I'm going to see, we got this wonderful, this, these little gadgets. I like my life. Y'all got some gadgets and get them Okay. Well, they, you're doing. I'm, I'm rushing. I'm, I'm, okay. And, and again, we love you dearly. If you need prayer, call us. We have prayer advisors. You can call us. Schedule prayer. We got a lot for you. Go to the site, drpaulaaprice.com, and see all of the wonderful things we have for you. Until then, be blessed and start liking God as well as loving Him. <laughs>